0: Hello and welcome back to another edition of What a Week! My name is James Simmons, I use he, him pronouns, and I am your host on this very exciting episode. I am so excited to speak today with our guest, Representative Jennifer Confirst, the Iowa House Democratic leader and the first woman to ever hold that position. To be safe, we held that interview over Zoom, but before I get to her, let's head over to our weekly rundown. (music) On the weekly rundown, I will be sharing with you highlights from this week's news. You can also get these daily highlights by subscribing to our Daily High Five, Progress Iowa's new newsletter that keeps you up to date about the happenings around the state. Oh, thank you. So, without further ado, let's get started on today's weekly rundown. This last weekend, leading up to the start of Iowa's 2022 legislative session, our team here at Progress Iowa hosted over half a dozen People's Condition of the State events across the state of Iowa. These events were an opportunity for local leaders and elected officials to tell Governor Reynolds the peoples of Iowa's condition of the state before her annual speech during the first week of session. We heard from elected leaders like Senator Jackie Smith, Representatives Chris Hall and Phyllis Thede, and other local leaders from a broad range of organizations. During these events, we also heard Iowans demanding that our legislators and governor prioritize Iowa families, including health care, child care, and education. Unfortunately, our Des Moines event was hacked by a group of people who decided they needed to share racist images and say racial slurs and epithets to elected members of the Iowa Legislative Black Caucus, as well as the Black Caucus leader, Al Womble. I want to say a thank you to our leaders who stood up and were fighting for the rights of Iowans at the people's condition of the state. What happened was absolutely disgusting and awful and has no place here in Iowa. It is past time for all of us, including our governor and Republican leadership, to stand together and let people know that that is not okay here in Iowa, that Iowa is a place that is welcoming and accepting for all. In some other news, during Governor Reynolds' condition of the state address, she announced that she would be awarding $1,000 bonuses to teachers who continue to work through the pandemic, which is amazing. She must have forgotten somewhere in there to mention that that money was coming from the American Rescue Plan dollars, which is federal money sent to Iowa thanks to Democrats like Congresswoman Cindy Axne and President Biden. And not one of Iowa's Republican federal delegation actually voted for this legislation. Governor Reynolds also made this announcement while sitting next to Iowa Senate President Jake Chapman, who just the other day accused teachers of having a sinister agenda and pushing sexually deviant education to the students of Iowa. He's also previously said that he wanted to introduce legislation that would allow the state to prosecute teachers for delivering certain lessons to students, mostly pertaining to diversity and inclusion. As you can tell, Republicans are pushing for a clear, unified message on teachers in our state. And last but not least, Governor Kim Reynolds failed to mention the secret corporate tax cut that she has hidden in her tax plans. We're still trying to find out some more information about that, so we will get back to you with that. But I'll be speaking with Representative Confirst about Kim Reynolds' corporate tax plan and other legislative items in just a moment. But first, let's hear from Progress Iowa's Executive Director, Matt Sinovic. Progress Iowa and our partners are
1: working hard to ensure that Iowans are being heard and represented at the state legislature. Corporate Kim Reynolds keeps putting corporate donors' greed ahead of the needs of working Iowans. And I'm asking you today to join us in standing up to Governor Reynolds by signing our petition demanding that Reynolds stop hiding her agenda and fight for Iowans this session.
0: And joining us this morning is Iowa State Representative and current House Democratic Leader Jennifer Confirst. She is a professor of political communications and public relations at Drake University, and she was first elected in 2018 and really quickly rose up amongst the Democratic leadership. She is now the first woman to lead the House Democratic Caucus and the first woman to lead a woman led majority at the Iowa legislature. So so thank you so much for joining us this morning, Representative.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I always say I, you know, I think it's great that I'm the first woman leader, but we sure should have had one before now. But regardless, we have one now and that's
0: that's what matters. Breaking the glass ceiling so we can move forward and have more following. Exactly. Before we get into the meat of all of these issues, I just wanted to talk to you about something that was really noticeably lacking in Governor Reynolds' condition of the state address. Corporate Kim Reynolds has sold out Iowans and Iowa families to her big corporate donors this entire pandemic and before. And what do you think about the fact that she did not even mention COVID-19 during her address? And now we know that over 8,000 Iowans have lost their lives due to this pandemic.
1: If 8,000 Iowans died due to any reason that hadn't been so politicized, I can't imagine a world in which our governor wouldn't have mentioned the loss of 8,000 Iowans over the last two years. And um, to, to imagine that we didn't even hear a word about it is uh, pretty pretty disrespectful, frankly, and uh, it was incredibly disappointing.
0: Yeah, um, actually there was just an article in the Des Moines Register about an Ankeny-based um, artist who did a paper uh, paper crane display for all, of the, all the Iowans who've lost their lives. And so we know that this is still a pressing issue and that <laughs> Iowa families are still hurting. It'd be nice to hear it from our leadership.
1: I mean, I think one of the things to think about is the fact that hospitalizations due to COVID are among the highest we've had this entire pandemic. And while people late in the hospital, um, you know, with respirators and ventilators and suffering from COVID, while people at home are trying to find rapid tests so that they can make sure that their families are safe, while parents are worrying about whether or not they can send their kids back to school safely, the governor just simply chose to ignore it. And frankly, that's a lot like what she's done the past several months with regard to COVID.
0: It's not over, no matter how much we want it to be over. Exactly. And we've seen stories even just this week talking about the length of time it takes to get, go get those testings. or trying to find availability for testing. And now um, the state lab has announced that it, the time average time for results for testing has gone from 24 hours to 30 hours, which just means that Iowans who are quarantining and trying to keep their neighbors safe are out of work for that much longer. Than they need to be because we don't have leadership pushing us in that direction. So that's exactly right. So with everything going on there, um, is there anything with the governor's plan that you or the the Democratic Caucus agree with or actually think is going to be good for Iowans moving forward?
1: Look, I think that we can all agree that uh, we have a workforce crisis in the state of Iowa. The governor didn't really mention the fact that the workforce crisis is happening on her watch um, and she didn't really even call it a crisis. But um, we know that uh, workforce is a huge challenge in the state of Iowa. We're calling it the Reynolds workforce crisis because that's exactly what it is. And so we can agree that things need to be done to address Iowa's workforce crisis. We don't agree on the ways, but sure, we can agree that there's a problem there. We can also agree that um, you know we can use some of these surplus dollars to give hardworking Iowans some of that money back and reward hard work, and that's what we're trying to do with um, you know targeting tax cuts to the middle class. Her proposal doesn't do that. We, I'm sure we'll talk about that as well. And we can agree that we need broadband expansion in the state of Iowa. We can also agree that uh, a lot of that that childcare is a critically important issue in Iowa that needs to be addressed and. Um, well, I'm sure I didn't hear it, maybe I missed it, um, the governor should have recognized President Biden and Cindy Axney for giving us those uh, child care dollars, you know, directing those to Iowa for child care, directing that money for broadband to Iowa. So a couple of the initiatives that were mentioned did come from President Biden, Congresswoman Cindy Axney's votes, which a reminder, no Republicans voted for.
0: Right. Uh, that's an amazing point to point out the hundreds of millions of dollars coming to Iowa for rural broadband was not because of Republican leadership. And actually Governor Reynolds has openly opposed the American Rescue Plan and basically all of Biden's legislation that has passed and come back and helped Iowa families. Um, I want to go that. back to uh, the work for cri- uh, Reynolds workforce crisis with you there. Um, we know that it's In her speech, she kept saying there's a labor shortage and labor shortage and that the language she was using was putting the blame and the emphasis on Iowa working families and not on the large corporations and the businesses that she prioritized so they could raise their dollars and while Iowans were not staying safe during the pandemic. Um, And now she, even after cutting unemployment benefits and cutting off the federal aid last year, she's talking about cutting unemployment benefits even further from 26 weeks down to 16 weeks. Do you think that will have a positive effect in getting Iowans back to work?
1: Well, the beauty of it is I don't have to think about it. We have data that show it doesn't work. So we saw when the governor cut that federal unemployment benefit and cut families off from money that was scheduled to come to them last summer, that it didn't lead to more people entering the workforce because she's looking at this workforce crisis in a very narrow frame that, as you said, puts the blame on those who are trying to get back to work. So let's imagine for a moment that the people who are trying to get back to work aren't just sitting at home and collecting unemployment checks, but are looking for work, but can't because they can't find childcare or who are looking for work but are immunocompromised and are having trouble finding a place where they can work safely and keep their families and themselves safe. Let's imagine for a moment that people are moving out of the state because they don't see that this is a place that reflects their values anymore. The problem, maybe they can't find affordable housing in the community where they want to work. These problems are much bigger than unemployment. And um, I think it's frankly insulting to imply that those who are trying to get jobs are um, laying around in a hammock just sitting waiting for um, for more government checks to come in we know these people are working hard we know that the vast majority of these folks are doing all they can and are are trying to put food on the table while also trying to find a job and child care and housing at the same time
0: she's been addressing these issues the uh, the governor as well as the Republican leaders in the legislature are addressing these issues as a very independent, unique set of issues, as if all of them have nothing to do with one another, as, as if all these issues aren't interconnected. And like you just pointed out, housing, childcare, all of these major issues that are underfunded or the services are not there for Iowans due to Republican leadership. Uh, we have seen some help from the federal government coming from Congresswoman Cindy Axney and President Biden. Um <clears throat> But what else can we do to push back on the narrative that it's, that Iowans want to just lay around and collect checks, even though we know that Iowans are hardworking?
1: Well, I think that, you know, um, as always, uh, we're, you know, our friends across the aisle are looking at problems very simplistically, very siloed, and they're not looking at it in a in a holistic way that's honest with, with the voters and with constituents. So we know for a fact that, um, again, I would I would point you to the data from earlier cuts to unemployment that didn't lead to more, um, to more, you know, people going back to work. But what I would tell you is that Democrats have been laser focused on looking at this problem holistically. So addressing affordable housing. Uh, and, and, you know, we've actually been working with some businesses who have been telling us that they need more housing and more childcare in their communities, and they need less divisive language. And we're saying, tell your governor, tell the Republican leadership that you need to do, that they need to do better to attract and retain workers in the state of Iowa. Even if every person um, who is on unemployment right now went back to work tomorrow, we would have tens of thousands of jobs still open in the state of Iowa. So a one size fits all approach that. Um, demonizes those who are trying to do the best they can to get back to work isn't going to solve the crisis in any way, shape, or form.
0: Exactly. And when you're driving professionals out of their professions by calling them sinister and saying they're pushing a deviant agenda, you're not going to bring workers in, especially in the key areas like education. Um, I'm going to take that opportunity to jump and focus on the tax now that uh, Governor Reynolds is planning to introduce. Um, she says that a flat tax is a flat tax, a fair tax, and it works for all Iowans. But we have data and we've had data for a very long time showing that flat taxes disproportionately affect low income Iowans and benefit higher earners.
1: I, I mean, the the flat tax, you know, we just heard about it on um, Tuesday. So we're still obviously doing some analysis, but our initial um, analysis and yours show that um, this is a one size fits all solution that, uh actually does help the wealthiest Iowans. Once again, wealthiest Iowans are gonna get the biggest benefit from a tax cut coming from the Republicans. This is not a surprise, um, but the difference with this one is that it sounds so good and sounds so simple. And look, policymaking isn't simple. Policymaking isn't isn't slogans. Um, And we need to be honest with people. But at the same time, we need people to know what this tax would do. And so we're working on figuring that out, this tax cut would do working on figuring that out, we wanna make sure that whatever tax cuts happen, go to low and middle, middle income Iowans and not one more handout to the rich. And let's not forget that um, the governor forgot to mention in her um, condition of the state that she also has a corporate tax cut in her budget. So um, that part just didn't make it into the speech, but there's another ta- um, tax cut for corporations in there, which shouldn't surprise anyone um, based on her affiliation with um, you know Iowa corporations and doing their bidding.
0: And I want to uh, pull out something you just said there, that this isn't going to be the major thing that everyone thinks it is. I spoke with an accountant um, just yesterday about this. And while the highest earners and we use an example of someone making five hundred thousand dollars a year, which for those who don't know, is more than the president of the United States makes for his annual salary. The highest earners are going to see a sixteen thousand dollar drop in their uh, taxes, which by all accounts is a very sizable chunk of money. But isn't this huge, major tax deduction that the governor is trying to talk it up to be, um, while people uh, earning less than $15,000 can see their taxes go up by nearly 10 times the amount, especially if you're in the lowest tax bracket, um, you can see your taxes go from under $10 to nearly $75 if you're making $1,700 in the state.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, as always with these proposals, the devil's in the details. And frankly, I don't see that this is really going to go anywhere because we're hearing even more extreme plans from the um, Senate Republicans. We're talking about just eliminating the income tax altogether, which, as we all know, would be devastating for many reasons in the state of Iowa. Um, You know, getting rid of more than half of our budget. uh, You know, if you'd like to do that, you need to also get rid of the you know funding for K-12 education no more funding for the Department of Corrections, no more funding for the Department of Public Safety. So look, the tax policies that are out there um, proposed by Republicans are really just competing bad ideas. And um, we just need to see which one of those bad ideas rises to the top so we know which one to fight.
0: How is this going to affect Iowa families? I mean, it sounds like, oh, it sounds nice, we're gonna have less taxes, but then when our childcare services or other services like public education is being underfunded by the state, that requires higher property taxes, higher sales taxes, that requires families to pay more out of pocket for childcare because they don't have access to it.
1: Right, I mean, the money has to come from somewhere, right? And so, and I mean, we're not talking about extreme, you know, frivolous um, state priorities. We're talking about education, public safety, corrections, childcare, um, things that every Iowa needs. And so, um, as, as always, look, I mean, a lot of proposals being floated out there that are just really to get headlines and look good in an election year, But uh, let's see what they're really going to propose, because it's not as easy as they're saying. And uh, Iowans won't be fooled um, with one more um, tax cuts, one more set of tax cuts for the rich. Middle income Iowans know that it's their turn.
0: It's time for the hard work that they put through the pandemic. It's time to see that their hard work. actually given back to them and not to the corporate donors who are keeping governor reynolds in office um i want to shift our tax conversation a little bit to retirement um uh, because she wants to eliminate the retirement tax seniors in iowa deserve a break absolutely they're on a fixed income we want
1: to make sure that they're um that they're paying as little as possible because we want to keep them in iowa but we're not looking at the problem holistically here right we're not looking at affordable, accessible health care for those Iowans. We're not looking at making sure this is a place where their grandkids want to come back and live. That matters a lot to them, too. Is this a place where they can find affordable housing? Is this a place where, um, you know, they know that their community has strong public schools? There are a lot of issues that um, all Iowans care about, including seniors, and they want to make this a state that's worth living in. And so it's going to take a lot more than tax cuts to, really get this state back on track
0: thank you i'm going to shift our conversation now to education which we've which come up a little bit throughout this um but i mean where do we begin the thousand dollar bonus for teachers um the majority leader of the senate or excuse me the senate president um, of iowa calling teachers sinister and saying they're pushing a sinister deviant agenda we have A teacher shortage, not just in Iowa, but across the entire country that's being more and more exacerbated by this pandemic and by failed leadership like Governor Reynolds. How are we going to keep our schools open if we don't have teachers in the classroom? Well, I mean, look, you point out a national teacher shortage. What an
1: opportunity for Iowa to attract teachers, right? This is a chance we could have had to say, Iowa's a great place for teachers to work. Come here versus those other states. And instead, we're hearing that they're being demonized. We're hearing them being called people who have a sinister agenda, as you mentioned. Um, Teachers are tired. Teachers are weary. And um, I think that a $1,000 bonus for staying around is great, But I think what they'd rather have is collective bargaining rights back. I think what they'd rather have or what they really deserve is to be respected and trusted in the classroom. Um, You know, instead of talking about, um, you know, getting in there and sending politicians right into the classroom to talk about everything they're doing, let's look at what's already happening. You know, there's a big push for transparency in classrooms. Guess what? I knew all my kids' teachers. I could call them or email them anytime I could walk into the classroom and volunteer. In fact, they were begging folks to come to the school to volunteer. There was no problem for me with transparency. If I wanted to, I could walk through that school library, look at every book on the shelf, and many schools have them all listed on the website already. So the problem here, this is really a solution in search of a problem and it's based on internet conspiracy theories and internet sort of things being um, stirred up on the internet that really don't look at the true challenges that our schools and our kids are facing. Teachers are exhausted, they're worn out, they are worried about getting sick at school, and they were trained to teach our kids. That's what we
0: should trust them to do. The governor is seeming to wanting to push these really divisive topics, like this book transparency bill, which as you've just pointed out, Parents already have the access and the ability to go into our public schools, but pushing these divisive topics distracts from issues like the education budget, which has not grown the way it's needed to under Republican leadership. How do we make up for that? Where do we where where can we push to see that difference made? And how do we even catch up for the underfunding that we've had the last few years?
1: No, I think the, the story that's that's underneath all of those numbers and all of those percentages is what's happening to our kids in the classroom, right? It's all about those kids. So kids who, my kids started school in 2005 when things were that way and graduated in 2018 and 2020. So we saw, you know, on a personal basis, what the impact on schools was for kids. You know, fewer opportunities to take um, music, you know, classes, to be in an orchestra, to take art classes, um, bigger class sizes, teachers who are having to cover their you know, their colleagues' lunches because they're out sick. A lot of things um, really are the actual bread and butter of what these budget underfunding um, mechanisms have done impact our kids. And so let's focus on those kids and giving them the education that they need. When I was in fourth grade, um, my uh, parents decided that the best place for me to live was in Iowa because I was in Florida and the schools here were first in the nation. Our teachers remain first in the nation, I guarantee you. Our schools, however, have been so underfunded that we're now in the middle of the pack. We have a schoolhouse on our quarter. Education is the foundation of who we are and we have undercut and undermined it for a decade now. And now really it's just accelerating. This attack on teachers is an attack on kids in the classroom because those teachers are the ones we trust with our kids. Who has a teacher? Everyone does. Everyone has a teacher that they loved. And for a lot of us, it was an English teacher, I bet. But you know, a lot of us have that teacher who inspired us. And mine was Mrs. Coth and Mrs. Bramer. And those people had a huge impact on my life. And if they had been exhausted and under underappreciated and underfunded for so long, I don't even know if they would have been able to stay in the profession. And I would have missed out on that opportunity. Let's make sure kids don't miss out on outstanding teachers by giving them the support they need so they can do what they're trained and frankly called to do.
0: Agreed, 100%. And I'd like to give a shout out to Mrs. Redding and Mrs. Weber, thank you both. You two impacted my career for so long, my high school career. Those were the major topics that the governor addressed in her condition of the state. Are there any other issues that um, you wish she would have addressed or made a priority for this session?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I would have liked to have heard a lot less about sending public money to private schools with vouchers and a lot more about how we're going to keep our public schools strong. I would have liked to have heard a lot more anything, in fact, about affordable housing. We heard nothing about housing in the entire speech, and we know there are communities with deficits of housing units of 500 because, and how do you attract workers to communities when they don't have any place to live? You know, we moved away from Chicago because we didn't want an hour and a half commute. But now people who are making that decision might have to travel that far in rural Iowa just to get to the town where their job is because they can't find housing. Housing is a crisis in this state right now, too. People, um, you know, we didn't hear anything about COVID, as we talked about earlier. We didn't hear anything about the healthcare workers who are are also weary and exhausted. There's nothing for them in this budget or in this plan. There was no shout out to the nurses and the CNAs who are working double shifts and um, exhausted every day. And doctors who are being yelled at and um, told that they're lying. Um, This is just, we've gone too far in this state with with this reaction, with this vitriol, with this hatred of people who are in the helping professions who are just trying to help and do their jobs. Um, We need to do a lot more in this state that's based on what's facing Iowa and a lot less about what we're seeing on um,
0: social media. Thank you so much. I think that is a really great place for us to wrap up today. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Leader Confirst, And to all of our listeners, you can keep up to date with what Representative Confirst and her Democratic caucus is doing at the Capitol. Subscribe to her newsletter as well as finding them on social media. They have Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Iowa House Democrats. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Representative. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us again on today's edition of What a Week. You can hear more from us by following our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Progress Iowa, and by subscribing to the High Five, Progress Iowa's daily newsletter that keeps you up to date about what's happening around the state. Thanks so much for listening. My name is James Simmons, and I'll hear you again soon.